This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Today we have a a group of young people, youth, who uh, have these t-shirts on that says exchange on them and arrows, and they've been involved in a weekend of discipleship learning, of growing about uh, how to become or be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And through worship, through Bible study, and a lot of different activities. And it's just awesome that you're all here this morning and what you're doing this weekend. We pray God would continue to bless your weekend. God bless you, and thanks for being here today. Um, How many of you grew up in a small town? I grew up in a very small town. It was so small, my school only had one color. Uh, (laughs) And in a small town, everyone knows your business, and there's usually one person... Uh, in particular, that's kind of the appointed town gossip, and sometimes they're the church gossip. And in this little town, uh, Mildred was that person. Mildred was um, uh, kind of the self-appointed moral authority of everybody. And so um, she knew everybody's business, was in everybody's business. And so when this new guy, uh, Frank, became a member of the church, she noticed that Frank's pickup truck was in front of the bar, the, the local, the only bar in town, and it was there occasionally, and so she walked up to Frank, and she said, don't you know uh, the dangers of alcoholism, and aren't you, are you sure you need to be there, and don't you know what goes on in those kind of places? I know what's going on in those places. You're not fooling me any. Well, Frank was just kind of a calm soul, and he uh, didn't really react or wasn't overly defensive, but he did take his pickup truck, and he parked it in front of Mildred's house. Um, in the evening, walked away and left it there all night long. We're talking today about uh, how to learn to live without judging. I thought we might start uh, by looking at the golden rule together. Uh, The golden rule are the words of Jesus that Jesus actually speaks in this seventh chapter of Matthew that we're looking at. Say these words with me. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And it's interesting that these words are present in all the different major religions. They're just framed a little bit differently. In uh, Judaism, uh, Rabbi Halil uses these words, what is hateful to you do not do to your neighbor. And so you've got kind of the, the flip side of this, don't you? Do the good that you want others to do for you, to to you. Don't do what's hateful. Don't do to others what you hate being done to yourself. And probably the thing that we hate the most is this idea of judging. How many of you enjoy being judged by other people? Show of hands. So why do we do it? Why do we exercise this? James Bryan Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful Life, says there's two basic reasons why we often judge. We try to fix people, so we we want to fix them. We mean well. We give our unsolicited advice, and we've already kind of figured out what their problem is, and so we just jump right to it, right? Or even worse, uh, we might run somebody else down. We judge them. We criticize them to feel better about ourselves. I think those are two pretty good primary reasons why oftentimes we're tempted to judge. 
But here's four reasons why we shouldn't judge or we don't need to judge or what the problem with judging is. Number one, judging doesn't flow from a heart of love. If we're really about the business of loving people, we don't want to engage in condemning and judging others. Secondly, those being judged feel attacked and they become defensive. Have any of you been the benefactor of someone with a list and they come and they bring you their list and they go through all the list of things that's wrong about you? Or judging is deconstruction rather than reconstruction. It's kind of tearing down somebody without offering a sense of how do I build somebody up. And oftentimes, our judging is, often, is wrong. We jump to conclusions. We see someone's faults or we see certain behavior. And we jump to conclusions. And we fail to look beyond their fault or our perception of what is faulty. And we fail to see their need or their burden or their hurt that might be behind that. Um, I want to show you a picture of the naked mole rat. How would you like to take this home with you? How would you like to have her as your pet? Now, why on God's green earth did he create the naked mole rat? Well, probably because of echo-balance purposes that we're not aware of, but we do know this about this creature. This mammal tends to live to be 28 years of age. And most of that lifespan is it's very vital. It's very strong. It's very healthy. It's, it's like they're almost 80 years old and they go around this 30-year-old energy. And so we know that great cancer research is being conducted, study of aging is being conducted um, because of the naked roll mat, mole, <laughs> whatever it is. So the next time you are tempted to judge someone by their appearance, look beyond the skin and just think of the naked mole rat. <laughs> now let's dive into Jesus' words here and see what Jesus has to tell us about judging. Matthew chapter 7, first five verses. Jesus says, do not judge so you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Now, Jesus uses two basic illustrations, concrete illustrations, in bringing his point home. He talks about measurements. You know, we understand about measuring cups. And so one of the things that Jesus is clearly saying is, guess what? Whatever measure I use against you, it's going to come right back at me. And am I right in using a different measuring cup for you 
than I am for myself. So Jesus is clearly warning us, helping us to see our tendency of measuring out judgment toward others. The question I have is, is Jesus saying just to put all measuring cups away? Is he telling us there is no criteria whatsoever in terms of assessing behavior or conduct? You know, I think this is one of the biggest things that we got to wrestle with as followers of Jesus. Is he telling us that there's no criteria or there's no objectivity in terms of the way we live our life? And when he tells us, do not judge. And when he tells us, remember that the measuring cup that you use against others is going to apply to yourself as well. Well, later in this same chapter, Jesus also speaks these words, chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. Jesus says these words, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. I really believe that we need to know the scriptures. And it's very important for none of us to apply any one particular verse and say that's all that God's got to say on this subject. What I also find about Jesus is that he gives this striking balance, this wisdom to life. And in this same sermon that he gives, in this just a few verses apart, he tells us on one hand, do not judge unless you want to be judged. But he also says, you'll know them by their fruit. It's as if Jesus is saying to us, when it comes to people, be a good fruit inspector, but leave the judging to me. Now, friends, you and I have got to kind of work out our own salvation here. By that, I mean salvation is a gift to us. But we've got to kind of figure out how do we live in this tension of not judging and condemning and being overly critical and harsh toward people and yet trying to sense with an assessment and a discernment and a wisdom where people are and how we can be of help to them. On the bottom of your Pray, Study, Grow material, we've listed some contrast between the two that my thoughts and James Bryan Smith's thoughts kind of combined. And one of the distinctions that that I see is that judging others is, is this whole idea of negatively evaluating people without standing with them. You know, it's kind of like either you're throwing stones or other people are throwing stones, but you're not standing with the person. You're not really for the person. Whereas assessing is kind of a discernment, a spiritual wisdom and discernment of a person's actions and their state of being where we try to really look beyond maybe a pattern of thinking or or behavior and and really love the person and care about the person. Judging others is about criticizing without caring, but assessing people is critiquing without condemning. Judging others is being hard and harsh on people. Just a, a harsh, cold 
judgmentalness, a labeling, a dismissing of people, a giving up of people, a, a, a condemning of people. Whereas assessment can be hard on the issue, but soft on the person. Judging others is condemning and passing sentence, but assessing people is having a sense of justice, of rightness and wrongness, tempered with mercy. You know, and as you look at Jesus' life and you look at the stories in the Gospels, you kind of know this. You kind of recognize that Jesus, on numerous occasions, essentially said this to people who were caught in sin. He said, I don't condemn you. No one's here sinless. Don't condemn you. But go and sin no more. Leave this life of sin. Live a new life. So that's the heart and the message of Jesus. Probably figures that get criticized and judged the most are like coaches or managers of any team. Quarterback on Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking is really easy to do. Um, Coach Kelly Harper was here this past week with our Let's group. And it was my privilege to sit with her and to uh, meet her. She's a great person. She's the Lady Bears coach here in town. And she spoke to the Let's group. And she was talking about this whole idea of building a team, building a team of young players and, and how she's molding this team. And she said, I want you to know that we're running these plays for a reason. And we're doing these things for a reason. So that the next time you yell, you'll yell more intelligently. And that was a great statement on her part. You know, Jesus is telling us, I'm giving you these words so you'll be a lot more intelligent about how you go around judging people. Now, let's go back to Jesus' words about the sawdust and the plank in the eye. Hopefully, you were all given uh, a plank this morning, a log, and I'd invite you to pull that out and to, just to hold it up against your glasses, just uh, Right now, Pastor Jim, that's you. You got your log? Brother Jim doesn't have a log. He's perfect. Oh, I was judging him. I'm sorry. There we go. He got it. Yeah, okay. There we go. We got logs. All right, we got it. So we're going to look at each other. And Jim, I'm, I'm going to try to get that speck out which of your one? eye. Yeah, which one? Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, look at each other. That's all right. You can just look at each other. Be really weird and look at each other and just try for a moment. To, how's your vision coming like that, okay? And Jesus is clearly saying that you and I really walk around like this all the time. This is really how we tend to be. And he's saying it is absolutely ridiculous that you and I are going to be able to see anything in terms of getting the speck out of someone's eye until we get the log out of our own. Now, I'd love for you to do this. I'm going to put this on my keychain. And I'm going to carry this around with me. And there's a hole here where if you've got a keychain, you've got a pocket, a, a purse, would love for you to just take this plank and let this be something you carry around with you. Okay? And the next time you're tempted to judge someone, pull it out and hold it in your hand. And instead of judging that person or running that person down with your words, which are so easy to do, just pray for that person. Look at that log, hold it in your hand, and pray for that person. And I found this to be true, that when I am praying for somebody that I'm having difficulty with or whatever going on or I'm 
judging that person, God usually does two things when I pray for somebody that's difficult in my life for whatever reason or I think they're difficult. God gives me insights about that person. He helps me to see that person as a human being, as a child of God. He helps me to recognize that that person um, has some good qualities. He helps me to see that that person may have something going on in their life that's very, very difficult right now. And the second thing God does always for me when I pray for somebody is he softens my heart. He helps me to not be a hard, crusty person when I pray for people instead of judge them. So take this and use it and apply it. You know, it's easy for us just to theorize and talk about Jesus' words, but isn't it great that we get to put them into practice? That's the whole point. Uh, Philo of Alexandria made this statement that be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Isn't that a great statement? I found that to be true. There's not a soul that I've come across, any person that I've come across, if I get beneath the skin or beneath the surface of conversation and we talk a while about what's going on, I've never found anybody who isn't fighting some battle in their life right now. So be kind as your Heavenly Father is kind to you. Ethel Taft was a great lady. She was 103 years of age when she passed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she was a feisty. She was humorous. Um, this was at her 100th birthday party three years ago. And at her 103rd birthday party, Ethel stood up last February at Culpepper's and she gave a seven-minute sermon on her philosophy of life. It was so powerful. We, we played the whole thing at her celebration of life service. But today, I want you just to hear one minute, one minute of Ethel in her own words. Let's listen. I like this place. Every one of you proves to be a good person. You know, you, wherever you go, and, you're in, and I've been around all the United States, and you'll find good people wherever you go, and you'll find out when you love people, people love you back. So if you're in a quarrel with anybody, just throw it away and start loving people, and you'll find there's so many loving you, you don't know what to do with them. Just love people. And remember, all those people do have a problem, and they need your love and your help. And so look at your friends are not your friends. Sometimes being a good friend to somebody has brought the other one out of a bad spot. And you can be that good friend anywhere you put your own love. So, And I love all of you, and you're all nice people, and I'm glad I've met every one of you. So being a good friend to somebody has helped that somebody come out of a bad spot. Can you think of someone right now in your life when you were in a bad spot, didn't judge you, but loved you first. And because of that, you're in a better place today 
I've had many, many people in my life. That's what the church is about. That's what we want to be as a community of faith. And so the sole practice that we're giving this week, what we're asking you to do is, uh, yes, pray for those you're tempted to judge, but to do a day without gossip. Gossiping means we're critical of someone who isn't present in the conversation. Um, Go one day without being critical of somebody else. And when you're in the middle of a conversation and someone's being attacked or run down and that person isn't there, try to change the conversation. Or, um, if you have to, leave the conversation. Yesterday... I had my first day of day without gossip. I basically spent the whole day with myself, by myself, so I did pretty well <laughs> on day one. Now, what we're asking people to do actually is do three days. So do three days. If you have already messed up today, then just start right now, 10.30, Sunday morning. The next 72 hours, try to live without gossiping. See how it changes your spirit and your heart. Practice the golden rule. Do to others what you want them to do for you. And don't hate. Don't do something that you hate towards somebody else. We want to shift uh, gears for a moment now. And, and we're going to talk about a, another spiritual practice. And that's the spiritual practice of generosity. If you're a guest or a visitor today, this is a good Sunday for you to be here. Because you're going to get to see a generous church in action. We as a, as a congregation at Schweitzer, we are blessed. And if you're a member of this church, regularly participate in this church. Hopefully you received in the mail about eight days ago a brochure that spells out more in detail what happens and the fruit that's occurring through this congregation in, in terms of our kids and youth ministry, in terms of our worship, in terms of new disciples being formed and baptized, in terms of our outreach in the community, through particularly our food pantry ministry, um, through our groups of 12, we've never seen so many people being transformed and coming to Jesus Christ and growing in Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for that. And all this happens because there's members and participants in this church who give money. Um, we're not ashamed or afraid to talk about that just for a moment. Um, we really encourage everyone to make a financial commitment, a commitment of giving to the church in their planned giving. We do this for two main reasons. It really helps Schweitzer to plan and formulate our ministry in a way that, that these resources are coming in. But more importantly, it helps everyone as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ to learn the practice of generosity. We all need to be consistent in our spiritual disciplines. We need to be consistent in our praying. We need to be consistent in our scripture reading. We need to be consistent also in our generosity, in our giving. And so by completing a financial card, a, a, a commitment card today, you're able to put down what your plan giving is. And uh, we invite you to do that this morning. 
after I pray, just to come up. You can see many people already did this at the 820 service. And just make your commitment to what, based on your ability and your desire, your generosity to the church in the coming year. We invite the ushers to come down at this time and to bring uh, cards uh, just down to the front, if you would, first. And if you are someone here this morning who uh, want to make a commitment, a generosity commitment card of your plan giving for next year, just raise your hand. The ushers will work their way back now. And uh, you can just hand out cards as people would like to receive one this morning. We'll give you a, a moment just to receive those. The band can come up, and uh, they're going to lead us in worship. And uh, after I pray, when you're ready and feel like you want to make this commitment to God, we just ask you to come and, and uh, kneel here in the prayer rail or just place your commitment at the prayer well as we continue this time of worship this morning. for the generosity of this, this congregation. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the grace of the, that you have given to us. We thank you that though you were rich, you became poor in giving your life on the cross for us that we might know the riches of your grace. We thank you for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. We thank you that you are such a generous God. And we thank you for that amazing act of generosity, that you did not come to judge us, but you took the judgments of us all on yourself. And you exchanged, the great exchange is giving your love and your mercy and your forgiveness to us. Thank you for your generosity in so many ways. And so we pray that your grace would be showered upon us in these moments as we, we give back to you a commitment, a statement of saying, God, I want to live consistently in my generosity toward you. We thank you so much for the fruit that we see through this congregation, and we humbly pray that, Jesus, you would be glorified in what we do today. In your name we pray. Amen.